We're in, we're in this series. We've got one more Sunday. My church is kind of a big deal. I'm going to be reading in Matthew 16, as well as Jeremiah 29 and Isaiah 59. A little bit of reading today. Uh, but I would say this, that next Sunday, in fact, most of you know we've been collecting canned goods for the Greenwood Social because this is... Uh, again, Community Day, and so we've been doing that. And next Sunday, we'll wrap it up. So if you haven't had an opportunity to bring some, you can uh, next Sunday. They, so they help senior citizens in our community. Uh, Pastor Juan leads the food pantry there. And so soup, green beans, and corn, he said, is like the number one things. And whatever we give them, they'll give away. And I, think, I told the first service, I said, I think we can get 1,000 cans. And they said, yes. I said, okay, well, I'm going to tell the second service they can bring a 1,000 cans too. And they were all in favor of it, so nobody, nobody voted no on it. So I'm just saying, if you, if you can, next uh, Sunday bring some or through the week, you can bring it. It will all go to them, and they will, uh, in fact, we usually let it gather, but the need has been so great. They've been able to, uh, Pastor Juan's been taking what we get through these weeks to give it away. It's all being given away because just a great need. And, of course, you know, things are more expensive right now. And just a great way for us to help in our community. I encourage you, if you can, to, uh, to be a part of it. So Matthew 16, we'll jump in and read some verses that we've been using throughout this series. And, and I hope my hope is that, that this passage of Scripture, that it kind of just gets... Um, committed to your memory because you've heard it so much. And that I think it's one of the most uh, important passages about the church. Because you know the church, uh, well, we know church. Most of the people here today, you know, well, there's different flavors of churches. We're, we got more flavors than Baskin Robbins. I'm, I'm just telling you, we got a lot of flavors of the church all over uh, the world and in our community. Um, we've got churches that are very liturgical, that some maybe would call it something like a high church, that, that um, we don't necessarily fit in that, in that realm of, of church. And then we've got some, you know, that they're kind of the hymn, no hers, I guess, hymns only church, right? And they're singing, you know, and he walks with me and he talks with me. I like those songs, but that's all they do exclusively. They're not going to do anything else, you know. And so then you've got some that are a little more maybe southern and they're singing, you know, uh, I can't think of one right now, but they're singing something southern. I know a bunch of them. I'll be honest with you, you know. But uh, and then you got some that uh, more maybe a, a gospel kind of feel, and they're and they and, and I'm just talking about music. I'm not talking about all the other stuff that they do. They would be different. And so all these different flavors. And I'm and I'll be honest with you. I'm not down on any of them. Praise God for the diversity of the kingdom of God, and that there are differences because you know some folks go because they like it this way, and others go there and. Well, in America, we just create a lot of options. I want to be where God's working wherever that's at. Are you with me? I want to be in his activity. So, so um, I would say that, that we understand a little bit about church, but here I think this distills it. Jesus just brings us to the, the, the very foundational place that we stand on. And he's, he's talking to his disciples. Who, who do men say that I am? What's, this, what's a word on the street? And then he says this, who do you? Who do you say? It doesn't matter what other people say necessarily. What do you say? Who do you say I am? And then in, in verse 16, Peter, well, Simon Peter answers and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Verse 17, and Jesus answers him and says, he says, this blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Everybody say, I will build my church. Yeah, 
And he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In fact, the, the correct Greek there would, would be presented in English like this. Whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. In other words, as we operate according to biblical uh, the, the Word of God and, and biblical principles that, that it's already been done in heaven. God's already said it. And so then we agree with what God's saying. And when we do, well, you can count on it. Uh, it's going to be done here. And that's good news, the power and authority that we have and the church, the church here, uh, Jesus building it. Jesus building it. And then the question as I was preparing for this morning through this week was, well, where's he building it at? Where's he building it? Because we could say, well, you know, back in Acts 2 in the Middle East over there in Jerusalem, he built his church there. And, and you could, yes, but then he's not stopped building his church, that you are a testament, a testimony of him still building his church, that you're here. You're a part of his church. Remember, the church isn't just a building. I mean, we say in America we know that, that the building is a place we go for church, but it's not just the building. Some people would say, it's the people. Like, you're partly correct. It's not just people, because there's people that gather all the time, and they're not the church. It's the people of the Spirit. It's the people that make this confession. And when they make this confession, the Holy Spirit, when you make the confession who Jesus is, He's the son of the living God, and you turn from your sin and embrace him, and the Holy Spirit resides in you. Well, I'm just telling you, that is what he's, that's, that's him building his church. That's pretty exciting, pretty exciting. And so I want to speak for just a few moments this morning, preach a little bit. I'm not so cons concerned about getting you information as I am getting us to the place of freedom. Somebody shout freedom. That's, what, that's where we need to be. That's where we need to be. If the church isn't free, if it's bound, well, it's not going to be very effective. And so, so our church in the community, what's well, important we understand the word community because it can have different, it's, it's thrown around a lot. Anybody ever said the word, or you heard the word community recently? I did a whole series on it just a few weeks ago. Community. Community can mean this, and it's accurate, that it's a geographical location of a group of people. So if I said, hey, you're from the Beach Grove community, well, I know where you're at. And you're the, there's a community there. there Speedway. In, in Indianapolis is kind of a community, but it's so big it's a city, right? So it's a little different. Or maybe you live in, you know, I don't know, Fallen Tree Edition or, you know, they got all these, you know the, the Broken Gate neighborhood. I don't know what neighborhood you live in. But, but you could live in one of those, and that'd be the community. And so you're, that's a geographical location of a group of people. We get that. And then the other... The other way we could view it is that a community is the people around you, family, friends, acquaintances, people that you know, maybe people you work with, that you're doing life with, and they're present. And, well, that's a community. And then a third way that I think that community presents itself is that community presents itself like this, that, that people that gather around a like interest, shared values, uh, same focus. And you see that in Acts chapter 2 when the church is, is coming alive and and it's, it's, it's been, Jesus has spoken of it. This many times is considered first mentioned by, by Jesus for certain in, in the word. And, and then in Acts 2, we see this group of people that have been waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And now the Holy Spirit is present in just a dynamic way. Uh, in fact, it says dunamis, a dunamis 
uh, of the Spirit, the dynamite, the dynamo of the Spirit, if you will. And now the church is alive, and it's a community because they were all in one accord. They all had one focus. They're all going same direction together. It's like, you know, I just did a wedding yesterday, and it's a line I use a lot that from this day forward, you're going to be, you're going to be uh, looking together as husband and wife in the same direction. Before that, they had individuality and do whatever they want. Now they've, they've given all that up so that they can be one together in marriage. Now, community is this, that we may have all kinds of different ideas and thoughts and stuff, but there's something that we share that brings us together. And here we are, we're together as a community of faith. In fact, it's pretty cool to me that you could be somewhere off in a distance in another, you know, another state somewhere, even in another country somewhere, and you don't know anybody, you don't know one person there, and all of a sudden you bump into somebody or you're at a table or you're at some event or you're on the airplane or you're in the hotel lobby, and all of a sudden you meet somebody and you don't know them and you're from two, two uh, entirely different regions of the world, and yet you find out they're a Jesus follower, and all of a sudden it's like we're, we're, we're a part of the same community. You have something in common to talk about about. There's, there's like almost a glow that comes on your face because you've met somebody that's a part of the community of faith that you're a part of. Anybody ever had that happen? It's like, whoa, what happened here? Well, because we're in the same community, because we have the same focus, because we're following Jesus together. So I think it's important that we understand that this community idea is about all three. We're in a geographical location of community, and we have people we do life with, but then we're also a part of a community of faith that produces, I love the old Gaither song when he said, you know, um, we laugh together, I can't remember the lyric, but we laugh together and we share, we share burdens with one another, we, we do all this because we're, uh, we're in the family of God, and uh, I think there's a, uh, in our world, because we're, we're in this community of faith, but then we're in the community that's logistically around us. We're in the family and friends and all that. And so I think that sometimes we can look around, as I said earlier, after the song we were singing, we can look around at the world and we could say, man, this is a wreck. This is so chaotic. Anybody ever get frustrated or, or, or at least um, dismayed? discouraged a little bit at some of the stuff in our world and our community and and because we're in it we're in it and we see it and then we could think well I'm trying to follow Jesus I'm trying to follow Jesus in this community of faith what is what needs to be my response and I think there's a good passage in Jeremiah 29 uh, we'll, we'll read it and then we'll end up on that familiar one you know uh, Jeremiah the the Israel Israelites are in Babylon they're in captivity and Jeremiah gets a word from God, and it says in verse 4, something like, Thus saith the Lord. And then he says this, verse 5, Build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. So you have a presence. And, and by the way, this agrees with what God created man for, right? Multiply, be fruitful, right? Verse 7, and seek the peace of the city. Some of your Bibles say seek the welfare of the city that I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, intercede for it, for in its peace you will have peace. For thus saith the Lord, 
of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners, your seers, who are in the midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name, and I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says, says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good work toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I have toward you, that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope, to give you an expected end. So God's saying this, you're in this diverse culture, this dissimilar culture, this culture that is contrasting to who I've called you to be, and yet he says, you need to be there, and you need to, uh, here's, here's another phrase from the Bible, occupy till I return, that, that, that you need to build houses, plant gardens, you need to be integrated in this community, not diminished in this community, and there's going to be prophets that are going to tell you, you're out of here, but I'm saying you need to be here because I've got you here for a purpose. And, and here's the thoughts that I'm thinking toward you, thoughts of peace, not evil, because I want to give you a future and hope. It's not always going to be this place, but you're there now. And I think all of us need to understand this. Jesus is returning. How many know that? He's coming back. You say, Pastor, you believe that literally? Yes, 100%. I believe what the Bible says. Jesus is going to return. It's a, it's a fundamental and foundational truth of Christianity that we believe that Jesus is going to return. That one day in the eastern sky, the clouds are going to appear, and there's going to be Jesus, and the whole world is going to see him. And you say, how is that going to happen? I can't explain it all, but I just know it's what he said, that I'm going to come back, and I'm going to catch you away, and I'm going to take you to be with me. I'm, I, I'm building you mansions in glory. Isn't that powerful to know that he's coming back? But I would say this, you can get so caught up in trying to figure out when that is and get your chart out and try to follow your favorite teacher that, that you can get lost in trying to get out of here and try, instead of trying to do the will of God while you're here. Some of the African ministries said, we don't want Americans coming and teaching this rapture thing too much more because what they do is they make people over there think they don't have to worry about the, the culture they're in because they're going to get out of here. That's a mixed-up message. Because what God says is that while we're here, well, we need to be in, involved in the community so that we can help people see Jesus. That's why when you get saved, you know, we, we don't say, Lord, save me and then take me. Come to our church. We're going to pray for you for salvation and then death. No, that's, not, that's not his message. His message is that you're here. That you're here. And so, and so then... Here's what happens if we're here to impact the community. Why does it not happen at the rate and pace that we all think it should? I just believe this. I just believe this, that a whole city could come to Jesus. It's, it's happened in the Word of God. There, there are examples in modern history where entire villages have come to Christ, where communities have, have said yes to Jesus, and there's been transformation. Transformation like this, and, and you're maybe going to have hard, find this hard to believe, but you can research it, that, that after the, the village comes to Jesus, that the cows, the amount of milk they're given increases. There's, there's places where, where the, the, the produce that they got out of the ground after they experienced a revival and, and an entire village coming to Jesus, where the produce, the stuff they're growing, begins to increase because of the blessing of God on an entire village saying yes to Jesus. 
It's not all about that, but I think it's pretty cool that God does some things that blow our mind. I wouldn't want to serve a God that just did the normal, regular, natural stuff. That's usually called idol worship. That's what idols can do, just nothing. But a God that's supernatural, he can invade this world and do stuff that causes you to just drop your jaw. And sometimes we need him to do that. Sometimes we're in a place where, where we're praying for somebody for healing or we're praying for God to deliver or to provide a way out or whatever that is. And we need not just some natural kind of thing. We need God to come in and do something that, that we're unable or that anyone else is unable to do. But, but why, why so many times don't we see community, our community, responding and becoming different like we would desire? And so I want to talk about it in this way. I want to share three spheres, three realms, if you will, that the church, um, the, the church here in the community that, that it exists in and, and is involved in at times. And, and the first one, I'm going to come over this side of this beam over here. I don't know what it does to the online. If I just disappeared, I'll come back. But I'm over here, and from here over, I'm going to call this, uh, we just call it the heaven section. Heaven. I was, I was talking a few weeks ago on first Wednesday about music, using it for an illustration, and, and then as time came on, I just felt like I needed to do this today. Music, and, and, and we know there's some, we're just singing some songs. You never lost a battle, and I know you never will. Don't you like that? That'll be in your head. This week, you'll be like singing that song. Or, or, or we were singing, uh, singing that song about all praise, all praise. And it's just it's kind of uplifting. It's, it's, it's encouraging. It, it's, it's moving us into, into a, a time of worship. And, and I call this the hell, heaven realm because just think about There's music. This message isn't about music, but there's music that does that. There's a whole lot of things over here that's, that's not in other realms. In fact, right now, I, I would call this like a heaven realm right now. This is a sphere, a little bit of heaven. That's a prayer we pray, right? Jesus said, pray that my will, right, that, that God's will will be done on earth as it is in, come on, help me out, on earth as it is in heaven, right? So, so, so here we are. This is kind of one of those heaven, heaven moments. If we all stayed here all the time, this is 24-7, 365 days a year, I want to tell you, sin would be less. Anybody with me? Like, like you're doing pretty good. Like some of you come in, you had a rough week, and you messed up, and you got tempted, you did this thing, but right now you're feeling pretty good. You're like, you know, I haven't sinned for, for 39 minutes or whatever it is. I'm not a good timekeeper, so I'm a, I, I preach along because of that. Pray for me. But, but, but I'm just saying that and we're doing pretty good right now. Like you're loving people, singing, pray, praying, singing songs, listening to the Word of God. It's like if we were all here all the time, well, we'd be, we'd be good. Like, Lord, whenever you're ready to beam us up, we're ready, but we're here. But the problem is, to be in this realm all the time is impossible unless you exit this earth, right? We can't be here all the time. And, and when you're over here, well, you know, uh, Philippians 4.8 says this. This is what's, what's happening over here. You're like, you know, uh, he says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are, are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, 
think on, meditate, concentrate, focus on these things. And so that's when we're here. That's when you're, you're in the Word in the morning, and your morning's starting out, and you're, you're, you're in like a, a heavenly place, if you will. You're praying. You're, it doesn't need to end there, but, but definitely we create those times when we're, we're here, the will of God is happening. feels like a win. And then, then there's this sphere that's over here, over on this side of the room. I call this the hell sphere. I didn't have a better name. It's just what I got. The hell, you know what? You know, and if we're, if we're thinking about music, well, well, that's easy. I mean, just some music, you know it's hell music. ACDC singing, Highway to Hell. Yeah, I'm not going to listen to that. <laughs> I don't want to be on that one. I don't want to sing about it. Or, you know, Ozzy singing Suicide Solution. I don't need to hear that. I don't hear those thoughts. But some music, you just know. It's just, it's from the pits of hell. There's no, like you're saying, well, I got that programmed in my, into my, into my um, Spotify playlist. Well, you need to take it out because that's not helping you. The highway to hell is not the highway we're on, right? You don't need suicide solution. You don't need, uh, I could just go on and on. I, I was, I, the other day, it's probably been two or three months ago, I was in my car and I hit scan to find something, and all of a sudden, uh, this song pops up. And it was Judas, uh, no, Billy Idol. And, it, you know, and I didn't catch it. Like, I just I hit it, and it hit there, and it stopped. And all of a sudden, I'm driving down through Greenwood, and it's like, hey, little sister. You guys know that song? And I'm, like, singing it. And all of a sudden, I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I turn my radio off. I'm like, you stinking devil. I don't want to sing that music. It's exactly what I did. And I'm, just saying, I'm just saying this, and, and I don't know if that's one of those hell songs, but for me, I didn't need it. I'm just saying this, that there's, again, not about music, but there's just a whole lot of stuff right here, right here, that the enemy wants to pull you into. Hellish things. Things that, things that aren't for your benefit, right? Because over there, we're praying, God, we want... We want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. The enemy is saying, I want, I want the, 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 the will, my will done on earth as it is in hell. I want this to be my dominion and my domain, and I want to control every one of you, and I want to lead you so you're ineffective and you have no influence, and the community doesn't even realize who you are or what power you're operating in. I want to remove that from you. And so over here, well, over there, the, uh, Revelation 21 27 says that, that there's no defilement, there's no workers of abomination, there's no one makes, that makes a lie that's ever going to enter heaven. Well, over here it says, well, there's murderers, goes on, idolaters, it goes on a big, big list in Revelation 22, it talks about, or 21, it talks about all, all of those that are going to be cast into a lake of fire. And I want to tell you, that's the realm where this happens. This is the realm right here where uh, this, this year in Indianapolis is either going to break the record or it's going to come in second. That's what they've, they've, we've already got there now. That's where we're headed as the most deadliest uh, year in Indianapolis history. Last year was the most homicides ever occurred in Indianapolis, 272. I, I, you know what? I've, I've lost the number, but it's, it's a bunch. Too many. Let, let me help you. Murder is never, now I'm not talking about self-defense and war and all. I'm just saying murder, cold-blooded murder, is never the will of God. It's the enemy trying to impact his will on our planet. You say, but yeah, God's sovereign. He is, but he gives us choice. And some people in their sinful desires and wickedness, they make wrong choices. They make evil choices. They make hellish choices. 
And I'm just saying this, it's never been the will of God that last year in Indianapolis, 799, this is just Marion County, Marion County Coroner's Office said 799 drug overdoses in our city. That's hell. Are you with me? And, 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 and just understand this, that the gates of hell, Jesus said, they're, they're, they're not going to prevail against the church, but it doesn't mean that they're not, they're not pushing against the church. It doesn't mean that, that the gates of hell isn't doing something in our community. It's for certain. Trafficking, some of the things that you, you think, well, trafficking, sex trafficking, well, that's for some place like Tokyo or San Francisco or some, No, in Indianapolis, in Greenwood. It's a sad state of affairs that we had a mall shooting in Greenwood. We could have said some way far away, somewhere where we don't know the people, where people are more wicked and evil. But in Greenwood, that a kid showed up at a bus stop and shot and killed another kid. That just just a, two weeks ago, that, that a mother dropping her kids off for daycare, shot. I'm just saying this, that in our community, this exists. This exists. And then you got this... Sphere in the middle. So if that's heaven and that's hell, I'm going to call this the world. If you take a note, you can jot that down, the world. Because if you want to know where the church exists most of the time, it's right here. It's right here. And Jesus in John 17, when he's praying, he's not praying, Lord, take them out of the world. He said, Lord, leave them in the world. Why leave us in the world? Because there's people that need to know the same Jesus that we know. And if we're not here and we're absent, well, there's, there's no presence there's, there's no impact for people to follow Christ. 1 John 5, 19, the NIV says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Did you catch that language? That we're children of God and we're in a world where people are un under control of the evil one. The Pauline language is that the God of this world is, is working. He says this. He said, even if an angel shows up and preaches a different gospel, right, what's Paul saying? And he's, you know, he's, they're saying that to, to believers. They're, they're saying that because, you know what, there's, there's, in this world, well, there's a whole lot of ideologies. There's a lot of philosophies. There's just a lot of stuff that's happening. Like what 1 John 2 in the New Living Translation, verse 15 says, do not love the world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. So I'm in this world, but I'm not to love this world. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything that we see, and pride in our achievements and our possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is passing away. This world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. That's good news. That in the world, I'm not to love it. Now, now here's what happens to us. The church in the world. And when I say the church, I'm talking about you. Say, say he's talking about me. Yeah, I'm talking about you. That we're in the world as the church. Well, here's what can happen. I can either, by praying, being in the world, word, uh, diligently pursuing God, I can, I can gravitate to here. And from this vantage point, well, it's a lot easier to pull people over here. But the enemy working in my life, well, he wants me to pursue, uh, King James says, the uh, uh, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life that, that gravitates toward here. 
and, you know, in that first service, I, I probably should have said this, but, but I know some people, they get all hung up on, on doctrines of men. Well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think you can lose your salvation. I mean, talking about losing salvation, I'm talking about losing influence and your effectiveness. The enemy wants to take everything that you got away from you so that, you, so that, so that you're in a place where, where you can't be effective in anybody seeing Jesus. To, to move you toward thoughts. That's why I say, and again, I'm not talking about music. There's all kinds of music in this realm. But just for the sake of an example, there's all kinds of music, you know. At first Wednesday, a few weeks ago, I said, the happy song. You know that happy song? Like a room without a roof. I'm like, woo, woo. It's just a good song. There's nothing wrong with it, you know. Beatles had a song, I want to hold your hand. Oh, that's a good thing. My wife, I just want to hold her hand sometimes. Sometimes I want to kiss her. I'm just saying it didn't, it didn't have those lyrics in there, though. This is just some fun songs. And, 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 and you know, there's a bunch, bunch of songs here. There's a bunch of stuff in the world. Let me, let me help you. The world is filled with a bunch of stuff. And so what happens is you and I have to be on point to say, I want to gravitate toward the godly, toward the good, toward the true. Because there's a whole bunch of stuff that will pull me that way. Yeah, I, th- I think about, you know, you can't watch every movie that comes out. You just can't. Some of them, as a believer, it should make you feel like, I don't want to watch that junk and that trash. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's some, there's some things that should make you say, you know, this, this, isn't, this isn't moving me this way, and it's not just feel good. It's, it's got some stuff that's trying to pull me this way. And there's thoughts that, that, that could trouble your mind that you need to get rid of. Some of you just need to check out from the news every once in a while and say, you know what, I'm not going to stay there. Social media. Sometimes you get in this place where, where you see something and then you, you slip into that comparison thing and before too long you're over here and you're, you're, you're envious and jealous of somebody because they got the perfect life and they don't. They may be over here closer to hell. They're just putting pictures on there that make you think they're doing good. You know the, the picture where somebody puts their Bible out? I don't know how long they did to set it up. They put their Bible out and they got their coffee cup here. And then, and like, oh my, and they got their devotional. And you think, well, they're so spiritual. Look what they're doing. And they may just set up a picture. That may not be the reality at all. They may be struggling with, with something over here that you don't even know about. And I'm just saying that in the world, I've got to have a focus that's on him, that's on, that's on moving people together. Because here's what Ephesians 6 says. Ephesians 6 says that we're, gonna, we're not going to struggle. We don't struggle against flesh and blood. It's not people. Right? It's against the, the rulers of darkness. It's against the uh, principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. It's struggling with hell because hell wants to win a battle that sometimes we don't recognize we're even in. That's why 2 Corinthians 6, the Apostle Paul says, Don't be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light have with darkness? In other words, I've got to, ma- I've got to make a stand in the, in the world that I'm in, that I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. First Peter 2, verse 11 said, Dear friends, I warn you. Here's a warning. It's important we see that word in, in Scripture. I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. The world isn't the place we're going to be forever. It's there. 
So he's warning us that we're, that we're temporary and keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. In other words, you're in this world and there's worldly desires that you've got to be warned against because it's temporary. It's temporary. Now, does that mean you can't have fun? God created you. You can laugh, right? You can, you, you can, you can enjoy life. He's not, he's not saying that. But what he is saying is don't let the entanglement of this world pull you away from the purpose that God has for your life. Because Matthew 5 says this, that, that you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how then shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. You, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but they put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your line, your light shine, so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. That, there's, that there is this opportunity in the world we are, that we, the community that we're in, to be an influence. And, and I tell you, you know, I, anybody heard of Sam Kinison? It's kind of quiet in the first service, too. He's a comedian. Some people have said he's, I've heard, they, they said he was the greatest comedian. I've never listened to, I've, I've heard a, a little bit of something he said, but, um, but he, was, he was an evangelist. Now, you're all going to have to Google, Google this later after the service, but, but you're going to have to Google Sam Kinison. He was an evangelist, a preacher. Late 70s, made the decision. In fact, I, heard him, I did hear him interviewed, interviewed and said, I'm going to become a comedian. Now, could you be a Christian and a comedian? Well, sure, you could. Right? You could be funny and be a Christian. That's okay. But he made a decision, I'm going to become a comedian. And so what he does is he ends up having such horrible, I mean, you can't use the F word and God in the same sentence and think that that's not being on the borderline of blasphemy. And just does all this stuff until eventually, in a head-on collision in his Corvette, he dies out of this world, almost, you know, the, the kind of thing where it's in a moment. And, and I, just, I just wonder, like, where was, was the moment? Because it wasn't just a day that he made a decision. Where, where was the, the, the sliding that ends up over here until the point that he just embraces everything that's there? You say, well, that'll never happen to me. And praise God. I don't think it needs to happen to anyone, but I am saying this. I'm saying this, that you and I, if we're ever going to be an influence for the kingdom, we've got to allow ourselves to gravitate toward what is godly. And so, and so Isaiah 59, I'm going to touch and go through a few verses in the chapter. Uh, you can follow with me. But I would encourage you this week to read it. I had not intended on sharing any of this. I sketched out. You know, when I do a series, I'll sketch out. You don't know this, I'll tell you. I'll sketch out, like, on this Sunday, probably going to talk about this and use this. This is a passage I feel like, da-da-da. And, and I use a little bit of that, but, but I really had not planned on this. But then last week, I quoted Isaiah 59, 19, just, just in a moment as I was preaching. And just, you know, kind of an extemporaneous kind of thing. And, and then this week, i just been in it reading Isaiah 59 just in its entirety several times. And I just think it speaks to this place that can happen uh, even in the life of God's people. And, and so that you understand that when Isaiah writes, he's writing to God's people. 
to God's people. In fact, the, the, the story of Israel is one of a nation that receives from God and then moves away to idolatry. The word backsliding is used. Now, God still loves them and cares for them. And so what God does is he brings, he brings correction so that then they can uh, come back to him. And then he produces a deliverer who sets them free. Well, I think that people haven't changed a whole lot. Anybody with me? I know we got cell phones and we got all kinds of stuff and computers and satellites in the sky and Wi-Fi. Somebody's asked me a question this morning. Do you think when they built the building that they put a, a wall that would keep Wi-Fi from going to the other building? I said, well, I don't know. In 1977, maybe they were thinking sometime in the future they have a thing called Wi-Fi that we could keep the signal from going to the other room. <laughs> right? right? We got all kinds of stuff. Remember, the world has stuff. And I don't think people have changed a whole lot. And in Isaiah 59, the first verse there said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Don't you love that right there? That's a shouting verse right there. Now his ear, uh, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Praise God. But then in verse 2 he says, But your iniquities, your sin, has separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. In other words, that they've arrived in a place because of sin in their life, that it's like the heavens are brass and their prayers aren't getting anywhere and, and they're just in a place of, of unanswered prayer and there's a frustration about that because when you're praying and you don't get an answer, well, that's not because you know God answers prayer. Verse 3, for your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. In other words, he's saying all of who you are is sinning sinning. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. I'll stop there. You can read it. Isaiah is one of my favorite book, books of the Bible. It's, it's, it's so poetic and yet so prophetic. And I encourage you, read Isaiah 59 this week. And then the people start to respond with this. Theref, uh, therefore, justice is far from us. Right? Justice is far from us when 800, nearly 800 people died of drug overdose. Do you realize, I was, I was awakened the other morning and, and uh, awakened and I, I didn't know what it was about. And I thought, something going on in the world, you know, about. And I, I flipped on the news and, and they were doing a story about fentanyl. And do you realize in the last two years that enough fentanyl has entered our country that it could kill everyone in America multiple times? That, that now dealers are forming fentanyl to make it look like candy so that they can get children. Isn't that horrible? That's hellish, right? That, that's a hell sphere in our world. And so it says this, Therefore justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in blackness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as at twilight. We are as dead men in desolate places. That's a line right there. Dead men in death. Not the people of God. We've been made alive in Christ. How, how, how could we ever become dead men in desolate places? I'm telling this, you've got to have your focus on God and, um, and pursuit on Christ if we ever want to be an influence in our world. We all growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We look for justice, but there is none for salvation, but it is far from us. Our transgressions are multiplied. And then way down in verse 15, the second portion of it says this, then the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. Don't you like it about God? 
Sometimes I'll talk to some atheist, some person that, that, that their question will be, well, how does God allow suffering in our world or da-da-da? And I'm like, he's more upset about it than you are. But he did this thing. The sovereign of the universe did this thing where he gave choice to people. That you have the ability to make decisions. Aren't you glad he did that? They didn't make you just, boom, you got to do exactly. That he gave you choice. And, and unfortunately, there's some people that are evil, and they make evil decisions because we have a sin-filled world. It displeased him. There was no justice. And he goes on to say, he saw that there was no man, and he wondered that there was no intercessor. It troubles God that there was no one to stand in the gap for the injustice that's happening. And so then, and this is a messianic prophecy about, about Christ's coming, and he says, therefore his own arm, the arm of God brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness, it sustained him. And he put on, a right, on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak according to their deeds. Accordingly, he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, the coastlands. He will fully re repay Verse 19, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up, will raise up a standard against him. That's a powerful, that's powerful right there. When the enemy comes in like a flood, that, that it's, and it's not this slow kind of thing, kind of gradually just kind of comes in, you know, where, where water's starting to get up on in your yard and it's in your house and slowly. No, when it says flood there, it means it means like a, a, a dam uh, just breaking and water just pent up flood. That's just overwhelming. We've seen some pictures recently in the news. Maybe you've you've seen some of the flooding that's going on. It's just a torrential, uh, this driving kind of waters. That when the enemy comes in like this, and and scholars get a little mixed up here and trying to figure out what's being said in the Hebrew. But, but here's what I know. I know this. When it says the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard, it means this, that the Holy Spirit, that the, the, the Hebrew word is ruach, the wind, the breath, the Spirit of God, that, when, that it will come and it will, it like, as, it, as it were, put wind in the cells of the standard. The standard is, a, is, is the flag that they put up when they're marching into battle. That, that there's no losing in this because the standard, Jesus being the standard, has just been lifted up. And that for you, maybe you're in this, in this realm right here and you feel like you're over here somewhere and there's no freedom. And, there's, and, and, and you feel like you just got entangled as Galatians speaks about that, that, that you... you you, you felt like you were free, and now you've been pulled back over here, and now you've become a, entangled again. Because the enemy wants to, it's like he wants to put you in a straitjacket. I was talking to someone the other day, and I was talking about just ministering, and I got this picture as I was ministering to them about, about a, a rusty bolt. You ever deal with one, and you, and you get a wrench on it, and you're trying, to, you're trying to break it, and you push, and you push, and you push, and it seems like nothing's happening. But you know the only way it's going to change is if you push. Right? If you put some pressure on it and you do the thing that you need to do, you need to, you need to get it to move. Sometimes I think about push. I think about pray until something happens that, that, that I'm going to do. You do the right things. And maybe, maybe you feel like, maybe you're here today and you feel like, well, I made a decision for Jesus, but, but I've got this addiction, or I've got this habit, or I've got this, this uh, broken, hurt place in my life, and I keep coming 
this direction instead of moving toward what God has for me. And I'm just saying this, that there is freedom for you. And I, and I think you've got to do the right things. Get in the Word. Pray. I'd get to church every Sunday. You're dealing with something. You feel like you're bound by it. You feel like you're in bondage. I'd get to church every Sunday. In fact, I'd go to the altar every time the altar is open until I, until I've, I get release in that. But, but you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing and it seems like you're getting no progress or very little progress. But then somebody says, hey, there's this penetrating oil better than WD-40. It's on the shelf. Let's put some of that on. And once you put that on, all of a sudden it's like, boom, and it breaks. I like to think about that oil as like the oil of the Holy Spirit. That when the Holy Spirit comes, what we're trying to attempt and an endeavor to do in our own strength, well, that's, that's, that's good and we should do that. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gives the lubrication and the breakthrough that we need so that we can experience the freedom and we're no longer bound. That's what God wants to do for you. He sent Jesus as a deliverer so that you don't have to stay over here all bound up, but you can experience the freedom that God has, and you can be an influence and be an impact and make, 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 uh, uh, be effective in reaching people for him that your family and your friends experience Jesus. Because over here, it can feel like you got a tumor. You heard about those tumors that they have like tentacles. And, and they, they, there's a name for them. I can't remember, but they wrap all around you inside. It's a picture the Lord gave me. And you're trying to break it, and you're trying to get free from it, but it's so entangled in your life, you just can't get free. Well, the Holy Spirit, right, is the one who can deal with that. You can't do it yourself. If you could, you'd have already took care of it. And you say, and, and here's what happens. Here's what happens. This is the cycle that can happen. Okay, I feel like I got freedom. I'm moving this direction. I feel like I got a little bit of a breakthrough. And then you get pulled back over here because the appetites and the desires and all the things of the world, the cravings pull back. And I'm just saying that God can set you free. Totally. A guy named Brent. Young, young guy, single. He's coming. Seemed like he had it all together. Engineer. One day, we were getting ready to put on a big Easter production back when we did those things. Somebody came to tell me, it might have been his girlfriend, came to say, hey, Brent is, uh, his family put him in a, they had an intervention, put him in a rehab place. It was far away. No contact with the outside world because he had an alcohol addiction. By the way, a whole lot of people got get messed up with alcohol. It, it, it can push you that direction, I'm just saying. It can push you that direction. So Brent, he went, he went, went there. And didn't seem no contact. Didn't seem until he got back. Brent was going along, doing good. Went to AA, and I, and I think, I think that if that's a part of your recovery process, you need to do that and do it. But Brent went for about a year, and his his he came to me. He said, Pastor, he said, every time I go there, I'm just reminded that I'm. They say I'm this, and he said, I really feel like the Lord set me free from this. He said, he said, I. And, and again, this is his experience. I'm not saying this is for every person that's ever struggled, but for him, he said, like, he said, I feel like when I go there, I get all, I get defeated all over again. He said, I just don't know what to do. And so, Brent, you need to pray. You know what you're doing. You hear from the Lord. I said, but if you don't need to be there, then you don't need to be there. Well, Brent made a step. I'm telling you, because Brent got set free. 
he's, he's no longer an alcoholic. He didn't have to make the confession to say, I'm Brent, I'm an alcoholic. No, I'm a Brent who struggled with alcoholism, but now I've been set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm just saying this, that the Holy Spirit can set free where we could never accomplish it. We're, we're, we're just a principle or a 12-step program or, or just some feel-good stuff is not going to do it for you. There's, there's a real freedom that can cause you to, to, to see that and walk away and never, ever walk back or even look back again. Right? It was Lot's wife. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. What did she do? She looked back on the stuff that she had instead of keeping her focus here. And I'm just saying this. Whatever condition you are in, whatever circumstance you're facing, if you, if you feel like I'm not free, if you feel like you're struggling with, with, with a hurt place or with an addiction or with a habit or just some, some ungodliness in your life, I'm telling you today, you can have freedom. Genuine freedom. The bondage can be broken in the name of Jesus. Jesus didn't come so you would be powerless and trapped. He came so that you could experience freedom in Him.